whatever I can do to get through to get the creativity out. I'm a vomit artist. I'm not a, I mean, I, I will like just throw up art uh -huh. all over the place. I need to make it. Once the idea's in my head, I need to make it. And if it doesn't come out how it looks in my head, that's fine. And I'm expressing. That's Genevieve, therapist, celebrant, soon to be mother of two, and my very first artistic rival from 1999. She joins us on our maiden voyage to chat about poetry, playtime, and the sinister presence of artistic wounding. If you or someone you know suffer from such a thing, don't go away. I'm Amber, and here's Angelica with our very first crafty chat. Hi, Genevieve. Hey. Thanks for joining us for our first episode. We have known each other, we got down to it, since 1998. That's 20 years. 97. 20 years. 20 dang years. It's a long time. And like, consistently. It wasn't like, hey, we came back True. into yeah. each other's lives through Facebook or when you moved back from San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Consistently, dear, deep friends. True. For 20 years. We met in high school mm -hmm. when you auditioned for Playwrights and Players. And for our audience, that is a performance poetry group where we wrote poems and performed them twice a year. For other teenagers. For other teenagers. It was full of angst. <laughs> it was beautiful. <laughs> and honestly, I think it saved many a life. Mine. I think it did. I think it was a very healthy outlet that all teenagers should have. Yes. All teenagers should be able to write poetry and then perform it for their peers. I, if I they like want. <laughs> you should certainly have that option. And it was so much fun to hear after I kind of got out of that phase and came back to visit you guys. To like hear mm -hmm. the shows and like remember what I went through. Oh, it felt so good even then. Cathartic. Yeah, for sure. We definitely were neither playwrights, possibly players. That name is a misnomer. But, you know, it is what it is. At the time in high school when I was going through things that teenagers go through, I started writing just in a journal. Just journaling every day. I would fill those things up once a month. Right. And then I kind of got into poetry because that was a specific class an mm -hmm. honors class fantastic for our gpas and i wrote quite a bit after that into college but then i kind of stopped oh really yeah like when i graduated with my first degree i mean it was a focus in creative writing and then i was like i'm not gonna get a job on this it's too much pressure and so i took a break from writing and mm -hmm. so i'm wondering do you still write poetry yep good for you all the time in like free flow thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a it's a really big way that I process emotions. Mm -hmm. In fact, I brought my journal with me. I'm so pleased you did. I, uh, it's a visual journal, so it's poetry and art. Um, but I, I I'm a therapist now. I'm a expressive arts therapist, as you know. And uh, sometimes clients will bring in stuff that's really hard to process, and I will write a poem after the session oh. to figure out where my thoughts are on it. And um, not all the time, but sometimes. And sometimes there's things going on in my life that I don't understand. And mm -hmm. often writing a poem will help me understand them. Yeah. In a different way. Yeah. And I want to say, 
you in high school at least really influenced my writing style Ooh, like, like I remember that. I remember I was a freshman and you were a junior junior sounds right so you were my upperclassman <laughs> and I remember being in playwrights and players with you and hearing your poetry and thinking that's similar to the voice I want to have mm -hmm. um you did a lot of slanted rhyme and a lot of things that were like rhythmic but not formulaic right and um it felt like you wrote how you thought or wrote how you talked a little. Really? Yeah. It felt like, it felt very authentic to me. I mean, I granted, I that. was 13 or 14 years old. You were not. You were 15. Oh, yeah. You're 15 16, in high school. Yeah. I was young. But I still really looked up to you and started kind of emulating your style. I take this as the greatest compliment. Well, we have a long creative history, yeah. friend. Mm -hmm. When I, the, one of the reasons I stopped writing so much was because I felt really vague. Mm. I felt like I applied meaning and didn't necessarily know what the tangible thread was through the poem. Yeah. So I just had to take a break from it and then start writing fiction. Actually, it went from like blog That's posts right. for like three or four years and then to fiction. So yeah. that's kind of what I'm like novel length fiction yeah and I feel like I'm a lot more clear do you ever switch up to other kinds of writing or is it sure poetry? I really enjoy so I liked grad school when I got to write papers yeah um mm -hmm. that too. was really fun especially because they were about things I cared about and liked so I like academic writing a lot which I think is creative yeah and I like uh, blog post writing mm -hmm. a lot I you had a blog blog long before I did yeah, I had a blog when I moved to uh, New York when I graduated from college. Okay. I started a blog called Life in the City or something uh -huh. about living in New York. And um, I've kept a blog ever since, sometimes public, sometimes private. And I've kept journals ever since. And I actually have all my journals ever. It's like 24, 25 journals in That's a box in, in a closet somewhere. Mine are in my storage unit. And I look at them and I like Do you look at them? Flip briefly and then I put it away I do the opposite I look at them and then I'm there for like eight hours oh, <laughs> thinking about what I, who I was why was yeah. I do, why did I feel that way and having a lot of like self-compassion for wow yeah that felt really big then and yeah. now other things feel big and look honestly I, I read them and I'm like I've always been smart <laughs> which <laughs> sounds so grandiose but it's true. It's it's affirming to read through yeah. them sometimes, right? And sometimes I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll read through it. I'm like, what was I? Yeah, like really vague reference to something yeah. that was a big deal at the time. Yeah. And then you got over it. But my journals are not, this happened today. My yeah. journals are like, I'm poetry. It's all poetry. Almost 100%. That's amazing. I You know, I take it back. I recently started hunting down my journals for specific events mm. for a recent novel. Cool. Where I was trying to be very authentic to that time period. Mm -hmm. So however I was thinking when I was like 15 and 17 and 20 and 22. And so I would try to tap into like what was a big deal then. And I kind of got stuck on how to resolve the novel because I don't <laughs> think I've resolved how I feel about oh, a lot of those things. wow, yeah. So I'm in act three and I don't know what beautiful work you have to do ahead yeah. of you. <laughs> I'm such a therapist. I sometimes. love the Sorry. way that you framed that. <laughs> yes, instead of being in like writer writer's block, 
I, I have an opportunity yeah. to solve something in my brain. Yeah. True. To heal. Yeah. To absolutely. heal. To heal something. Um, so back in high school, besides writing, we always, like, we put on costumes. And, yeah. you know, there were just some, like, big moments. Everything was very ornate. Playful. And absolutely. And Playful. even to this day, you know, when we all get together, you're kind of better about keeping up with that when you have gatherings. Like, make it oh. big, you know, wear a costume, be crazy, or not. And I just love that you have kind of culminated that culture around you where oh. you encourage people to be playful in every realm of their lives around you. Thank you. I yes. think play is incredibly important, mm-hmm. and especially in creativity, but just in life. We need to learn to play more. Yes, I know. I feel like I've forgotten how to play. Grown-ups often do. Yeah. Yeah. And so I love that you can tap into that. Um, So when we were texting earlier this week, I was asking about some photos of your art that you're proud of. And you mentioned that you needed help narrowing it down. Yeah, I do. So I didn't send you any. But you brought your journal. I did. I brought my on my current art journal yes i'll take i thought that's good enough yeah that is a great ongoing project um do you and i can relate to that where it's like i don't do this one thing i do like sewing and embroidery and painting and writing and gardening and whatever else so it's not like here's the one thing that i do in my free time right and that idea of free time is very interesting to me Mm. because like we don't really we've got like work We've got family time, and then we've got these little bits of moments where we can, like, choose what we're going to do with it. We can either look at our phone, which is very tempting, or we can sit down and just, like, make a thing. Hmm. And so even though that's work, it's not an easy thing to, like, sit down and try and make a blanket. Hmm. And I think this is what kind of came out from our conversation when I made you your baby quilt, and you brought over all of these um, wonderful uh, pieces of fabric and asked me to kind of like make sense of it. Um, mm-hmm. And you had to start. And, you know, I, you were like, if it's too much to do by the time we, by the time the baby sprinkle comes around, um, you know, don't, don't worry. I know you're making it. And I just like got right down to it. I mm-hmm. made it probably in a two days mm, mm-hmm. and it, it didn't feel like work something about it energizes me to make these things especially if I know that I'm giving it to someone so do you feel like you do art for yourself or for other people what a question for your children future child and future mm-hmm. children about to have another um, yeah. that's, a, that's a great question what's your audience you know I have to say that I asked my grandmother that question once. My grandmother was an artist, a visual artist. And one time I asked her, I I was quite young and she was quite harsh, but I (laughs) asked her, um, so do you make art for yourself or for the viewer? Mm -hmm. And I remember she's so direct. She looked at me and she goes, if I don't make it for myself, it doesn't count. (laughs) So dramatic. Of course it's for me. Of course. How could it be anything else? Um, And I don't know if I agree with her. I think... I make a lot of art to give away. Yeah, me too. But mostly because what are you going to do with it? Keep it in a journal box in your closet for years? Yeah. Yeah. So I make a lot of postcards, like watercolor postcards that I send out to people. Mm -hmm. Um, That feels really good. It feels good to give my art away. Yeah, me too. I don't need to keep it. 
Um, I like to make quilts for people mm-hmm. like you do. I like to make crafts because they're useful. But fundamentally, my grandmother's right. It's all for me. Yeah, I mean, it, there's that selfish part of you where it's like, I feel good by giving this away, which is not necessarily selfish if you look at it from the other person, but that feeling is selfish. When I could imagine you opening the blanket, mm. oh, I've just, I felt so good. I was like, she's going <laughs> to love this. She's going to be and excited. I and I just, I watched that video I took of you <laughs> opening the present. I was like, ah, this is exactly the reaction I wanted. And I know going into these things that that's why I'm doing it. Oh, yeah. Partly. And then I imagine your baby using it. And I imagine you, like, wrapping him up and, you know, thinking this is the softest blanket. And I want him to, like, sit on this. this." So maybe it really is both. I mean, maybe it really, you can't separate yourself from the viewer Mm -hmm. or from the person who receives it or sees it. Yeah. It's, um, you know, sometimes it's a gift, but sometimes it's, like, an activity. And yeah. I feel like you are good about giving that activity to people mm-hmm. where, you know, if we have an event, you will sit out some crafts, especially for the kids. But, like, for Valentine's Day, it was for anybody. Yeah, no, those are those make, for grown-ups. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kids are just the ones who are more willing to play. Yeah. But I'm always trying to invite like grown-ups to, to play and to be creative yeah professionally and personally like it's a goal in my life to invite others to be creative do you hear people say like i'm not creative all the time <laughs> i feel like every time i hear someone say like oh i've always wanted to do that like well okay here's how you start here's the thing that right. you do do you feel that tendency to give those first steps or try and draw them into it? If I feel that they really want to. Because mm-hmm. often when someone's expressing, I can't do that, or I'm not an artist, or I'm not creative. I'm not creative. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But when someone says that, I'm not creative, what they're really expressing is someone has hurt me. Hmm. What they're really mm-hmm. expressing is that somewhere in their history, a so teacher or a mentor or a pal, someone said, that's ugly. Mm-hmm. Or that sounds bad. Or you look weird when you dance. Every time someone critiques someone else's art, they're closing off the other person's access to that. And so when people say, I can't do that or I'm not good at that, someone has closed off their access to that part of themselves, to their ability to play, to their ability to take risks. Because let's be honest, who cares if your art is good or bad? Yeah, like that's not the point of it. Yeah, and who's going to make that judgment? An art critic? You know, like... We're just people in the world responding to things. Sometimes those things elicit a feeling of beauty and we connect with them. Sometimes they elicit a feeling of, oh, that's gross, and we connect with them. Sometimes there's no reaction. And the most important thing, though, is that something got made. That you accessed a part of yourself and made something. Right. Yeah. So whenever someone says, I can't do that or I'm not creative, I often just tell myself, oh, wow, they're hurt. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, that hurts. I'm so sad that they were like, that's really sad that they can't access that part of themselves. Yeah. And then if they're a client, I sometimes try to get a feel for if they want to. Right. Like if they've just decided they don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. They're, they are being creative somewhere in their life. I promise you. Cooking. Raising a child. clothes. Doing yep. their hair, makeup. Creativity finds a way. Yeah. It is life. It finds a way. 
you literally have to decide any number of things, any moment of the day, and there is creativity involved in it. Absolutely. Making a spreadsheet. Quite, yeah. Quite creative. Oh, absolutely. should see mine. The things of beauty. <laughs> I love spreadsheets. <laughs> the formulas. Um, mm. You officiated... Weddings. Amber's lots, wedding. Yeah, Amber's wedding. Um, I feel like another wedding that I've been to, but I can't think of who. Probably. I've Just, done you know, a lot of weddings. Of weddings. Well, I've done a lot of friends' weddings, and that was sort of how I started into doing weddings more professionally. And that was um, before going Am- to Amber's school. wedding was my first wedding oh, okay. that I did. Yeah. That was like six or seven years ago? Seven? Nine. Nine. So nine. It's been nine really? years. Stand corrected. Goodness. Stand at the front of an altar corrected. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so you went to grad school in San Francisco. I did. I studied expressive arts therapy, um, counseling. Yes. And that was really awesome because I went to school with a whole lot of artists who were learning how to be therapists of different sorts. So you had visual artists, you had art historians, musicians, um, crafters, uh, a lot of um, dancers even. Really? Yeah, because expressive arts is um, all the creative arts. So the idea is that any form of creativity is healing, is Mm -hmm. inherently healing. And so all these people from these different arts backgrounds got together to learn psychology together, which you can imagine in San Francisco involved a lot of sage (laughs) and was was real new agey and fun and lots of stretching and rolling on the floor. It was great. Huh. And then you moved back here. Mm -hmm. Immediately after graduating, yeah. And it took me a long time to get licensed, but I am now a licensed marriage and family therapy associate. Associate. And that, you've been practicing for about a year now, right? You yeah, about a year, year and a half I've been in practice, okay. yeah. And I do traditional counseling, but often I incorporate the arts into the space and into the work. And is it for your client to like make a thing while you're talking? Do you make things with them? Sometimes, both, yes. I totally get it. And yeah. it is really fun and helpful. For me, what happens in my brain I just kind of like turn off maybe what is crowding those thoughts. Yeah. And I can, you know, as I'm doodling or tearing or drawing or cutting kinetic sand, I feel like my thoughts can kind of just run yep. a little bit more freely. Yep. And not like to be fair, not everyone resonates with using creativity as in healing, right? Or in emotional sure. or psychological healing. It doesn't work for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um but the people it works for, it really works for because of what you're talking about. You you bypass the limbic system. You, you buy, well, not the limbic, the ling- linguistics, right? Okay. You don't have to talk. Right. You can move into feeling very quickly. You can move into dreams and symbols and metaphors a lot quicker than you can in talk therapy. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. You're like in the feeling of it. Yeah. Um. Which for a lot of people is how they understand the world. Yeah, their memories are probably really tied to those feelings and not necessarily to words. Right. And so untangling that right. is really important. And in talk therapy, sometimes it's hard to get deep. Uh-huh. It's hard to get into the unconscious with people. But the arts will instantly get people into the unconscious because that's pretty much what they are. Yeah, that makes sense. So, when is a piece finished for you? How do you know? 
Great question. Mm. Um, how? Because there's always that moment when you're working and you're like, I could do the next thing, but it's going to change everything. Mm -hmm. I could make the next choice, but it's going to like move everything in a different direction. Do I do that or do I leave it where it is? And I think I always make the next choice. You always add. Unless I'm bored or done with it. If I have the curiosity about should I make the next choice, uh -huh. I do. How do you know you're done with it? Because I don't ask myself, should I make the next choice anymore? Okay. Yeah. I look at it and I'm like, oh, I've made all the choices about this that I need to make. So that feeling, I love tapping into that. Do you use art to procrastinate? Or do you no. procrastinate before you do art? Oh, it's one or the other, huh? Mm. Um, it doesn't have to be. I mean, I think sometimes procrastination and play get balled together into this, like, oh, you're being playful, you're clearly wasting time. Oh, sure. But to me... <laughs> but you don't think of it that way. I don't think of it as a waste of time. Anytime I'm accessing that part of myself, I'm not wasting time. So I don't use it to procrast procrastinate, for sure. Sometimes I will procrastinate before I make a piece of art. Like, if, if I know, for example, I'm going to be a mother for the second time, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to make some art about the archetype of being a mother. Right. I've moved from maiden to mother. Someday I'll move into crone, right? <laughs> but right now I'm definitely in the mother phase of my life. And I'm thinking about, oh, I need to, like, make a collage or write a poem or do something about that mother archetype. But I'm also kind of not ready to touch it yet. Mm -hmm. I have to kind of think about it a little and I'm, and I'm worried about what I'll find there sure right because there's a lot of power in the mother but there's also a lot of uh, other people owning you mm -hmm. right so I've been putting off that piece of art but I know it's coming yeah I felt that way when I did um, the testify performance mm -hmm. and you were my producer for that um, so testify is a storytelling group what is the right way it's to describe show. that? It's a show. It's a monthly storytelling show with okay. real stories told by real people. Yes. And I've done it twice. The first one was giving birth to Ansley. And I feel like, what was the theme of that? Like creation. creation. It was our first show. Right. And then I did it, I don't know, three years later, something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was the story of losing my friend Basil. Mm -hmm. And man, I put off working through that story just as much as I could until I knew I couldn't put it off anymore because it would have been a bad performance. It would have been a bad telling of a story. Mm -hmm. And when I finally got down to it, it was so important that I worked through it. And I was glad that I did. It was just, there was so much emotion surrounding it. Yep. Do you feel like you are drawn to performance or... Do you have a preference for that versus making? Or is it kind of just one of the many options of things that you can do to express yourself? Yeah, I don't have a preference for performing. I probably have a preference for making. Okay. Performing happens because I keep getting asked to do it. <laughs> That's a good answer. It happens and you won't say no. I yeah. can't imagine you saying no. No, I don't say no to things often. Um, I should get better at that. That's another piece of process art I can make. <laughs> <laughs> Boundaries. But it's not that I don't like performing, but in fact, I like it a great deal. Mm -hmm. But there's a, there's a big reason I'm not a professional actor. And it's because um, 
I don't like being seen quite so much or mm. having to be seen quite so much. Just your art. Your art stands in for you. Yeah. I mean, when it's your physical body on stage performing, doing something, it's pretty clear that it's you. And it's hard to separate the critique or the feedback from the from your own experience. Mm -hmm. So, like, when I get on stage, people will often tell me, oh, wow, that was so great afterwards. And I'm glad that they're pleased, but it starts to kind of go into my ego. And um, it doesn't feel as good as just doing something. Does that yeah kind of makes sense yeah, yeah definitely so did you i can't remember did you go to your undergrad was in theater theater and then you and amber and a couple other people moved to new york mm-hmm. to um get, like did you get acting jobs did you work? no i wanted to be a director okay hence the not Being wanting to front. be in front i wanted to be more behind yeah um and you know in retrospect i think what i really wanted to do is what i do now yeah you were just trying to find Which the thing Which is lead that, people through a creative process. Yeah. Right? Or through a healing or growth process. Yeah. Um, when you were in New York, did you direct any shows? I directed one show in what? three years. <laughs> <laughs> but I got it done. It was like two months before I left. I was like, I got to direct a show. How did you get involved in it? Um, I self-produced it. Okay. With uh, two other people. With the two actors who were in it. Gotcha. And, it was fun to do. Does I this, really enjoyed it. Did you work on a schedule? Is that why you kind of got down to it finally? Um, no, I think I, I think we were talking about putting things off. Yeah. I was definitely putting off trying to be a professional director because mm-hmm. there was something in me that knew that that was also not going to be overall feeding or what I wanted to do. Yeah. Because there's a lot of having to sell yourself when you're a professional artist and that yeah. That always feels a little weird. I think that's what made me uncomfortable about writing professionally, knowing that, like, I had to put all my eggs mm-hmm. in one basket with this mm-hmm. book of poems or novel, and I always kind of knew that I needed to have an additional job to supplement the creative one until it took off. Right. Yeah. And I just felt like I needed to, like, find that thing and to me, it was an epiphany of like, oh, landscape architecture, this is the thing. <laughs> and somehow writing translates into that. Um, but for me, it it always needed to be a hobby mm. or a, a thing I did for myself and not monetize it. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I feel the same way because as soon as you're having to make money off of your art, it takes a lot of the play out of it. Yeah. It's like all of a sudden I can't, I'm, it's not playful anymore. The stakes are higher. Yeah. I have to make, I, it's more about the audience and less about the artist, right? You have to sell it and be like, this is beautiful. And brand No, really, you need this. This is beautiful. And yeah. we get into the critic and we get into the artistic wounding and all that jazz. Yeah. It's definitely. a lot more fun to just do it because yeah. you want to do it. Do you do art to be by yourself for personal time? Yeah. Or do you have different things you can do while still kind of, have, you know, having your kid around? Oh, and- yeah. I mean, I can definitely do things with other people around, but if I'm really going to get into a creative space, I'm alone. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on my own. Do you set aside time weekly? Like, do you have a night? Like, right now, it's Friday night. This is right. my night to do To do things. creative things. Mm-hmm. And tomorrow night is Matt's, right. my husband's night. So, 
do you have like a regular thing or is it just kind of as the whim strikes like hey I've got this project Aaron I would really like a regular thing but I think I spend a lot of time in my psychotherapy office Mm -hmm. when I don't have clients doing art oh okay I'm gonna take back what I said before that art is just about me or that I only I do it by myself because I also engage sometimes in creative arts that are um uh community based sure like theater you know or like with amber we do a lot of yeah i was gonna group i was gonna ask about that or like co-creativity we do holiday arts workshops yeah and it's not through passageway arts it started being through passageway arts now it's kind of through passageway arts but really what we decided is amber and i are just gonna throw a party on the holidays Mm -hmm. and we're gonna invite our friends to do rituals and to do um creative acts yeah and it's really fun and what's really fun about it is actually coming up with it with amber like sitting around and like planning it it feels like writing a play together or writing a story together do you write the rituals beforehand oh yeah like out explicitly Mm -hmm. i think we should even do more of that like i think the more liturgy we write the better i'm learning that so the one that i attended recently Mm -hmm. was the uh, valentine's day one and it was working on like loving yourself and like putting a love note on a bottle and you know all these wonderful rituals with scents and did you like it i did what did you, you get out of it i was nervous about interacting with strangers yeah makes me really hesitant um but i felt like the people that i came face to face with were very vulnerable like lovingly vulnerable where they were mm-hmm. just opening themselves up to like just delve into this process mm-hmm. that i was really touched by it when y'all get together to set up the rituals mm-hmm. do you have like vision boards oh that would be cool i do love pinterest i mean we could talk mm-hmm. about pinterest for a whole hour but no we generally get together we talk about materials we talk about the themes or symbols that might run through a ceremony or through a workshop yeah so for example in that workshop because it was art of the heart and it was valentine's day we wanted to talk about sensuality and so we went through the senses so we had smells and we were, we were trying to incorporate smells we had sounds we had a bell we had taste with mm-hmm. a little bit of chocolate for the ghosts workshop which is my one of my favorites um we we incorporate salt because of its historic meaning and sage and mm-hmm. things that are a little more traditionally kind of witchy yeah and um conjuring things big fan yep and stones because stones are involved a lot in memorials and in thinking about things that are dead mm-hmm. right um do marking you, things do you do a different ritual each time you do that you kind of change it up and yeah we always kind of come back to it and see what worked last year and what we should do differently uh-huh. and every holiday is different of course because we're working with different themes and different emotions but the whole idea is to give people an opportunity to not just go through the holiday like la-di-da here's yeah. thanksgiving i'm Marking gonna sit with time. aunt mary and we're gonna talk about turkey but to really feel gratitude Right, to really drop into the holiday and have an experience that is a little more authentic and unique. To evolve a little bit right. as adults. Right. And that's something I love about the other part of my business. I'm a therapist and a celebrant. And the celebrant work is all about that. It's all about how can we drop into these moments? How can we have these moments that make things feel real? Right. When we did the office blessing here, you know, I feel like it was a time where 
our other designer and our office manager and a couple of people that worked for us just had a lot of like really heavy stuff going on. We just had a lot of anxiety. And for me, it was nice to just take a moment to say, I want to let this crap go. Mm -hmm. I want to let it out. I want to blow it out like the sage smoke. I want to like recognize that I'm making this decision and Mm -hmm. celebrate that decision with other people who want to conscientiously change something about their life. Perfect. It was great. It's meaning making. Yeah. Like we walk through life just kind of dawdling around and then there's sometimes these moments of great meaning. And that's what's beautiful about ceremony or about ritual is that no matter what you do, they're going to be meaningful. Even if you're giggling and laughing the whole time, you're still going to remember them because your brain is marking it. So did the urge to make art or perform come from childhood, being a much younger sibling or... Where Maybe. do you think it came? Did your mom encourage you? Did so your grandmother? My, I would say all my maternal lines in all directions are creative, and even my paternal lines, because uh, my grandfathers, both of them were contractors. They built houses, which is pretty creative. Yeah. Um, both of my grandmothers were artists. One a little more professionally. She like taught art and writing. And the other grandmother lived creatively, like lived doing crafty things very homemaker crafty kind of stuff but definitely in touch with her creativity my mom was an artist my mom studied art oh i didn't realize yeah she her graduate her uh, bachelor's is in art that's amazing studio art and um does she paint yes in fact most of the paintings in my house are hers okay i'm connecting the dots and my my father's mother too most of the paintings are either my father's mother's or my mother's paintings in our house so I grew up around their art, like being in my house, visual art. And then there's there hasn't been as much music, but my brother did theater. And so creativity was never turned off in my house. Um, I, you hear a lot of stories of people's parents saying, don't grow up to be an artist, grow up to be a lawyer or whatever. Yeah. Nope. I got the opposite message. When I told my dad I wasn't going to be an actor, he literally talked to me for 45 minutes about why I was making that choice and that it was a bad choice. Oh, that's so sweet. Because he didn't want me to give up on my dreams because they were hard. Yeah. Um, I think both my parents were creative people. My dad was also an entrepreneur, which is just yep. incredibly creative. So the creative spirit was alive in my house. And and then I was left alone a lot because mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they owned a business. Mm-hmm. So I was alone a lot as a kid. And I would put on shows, like I'd put on musicals, for the couch. Yeah, because your brother was older than you, so he wasn't right. there to really play with. No one watched me. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> awful. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> but, yeah, I was I was alone. And what did I do? I brought in musical theater and story. I listened to, you know, records yeah. of Chorus Line, which is inappropriate for children. I think and you played <laughs> that for me when I stayed the night and we went really early in the morning to go to rent. Do you oh, remember yeah. this? yeah. And we, like, camped out on the street, and that was the first time I hung out with you, Amber. And, like, just exhaustedly, once the show finally came on, because we had stayed in line for tickets. Yeah. Just, like, oh, it was an experience. It was. So I got that from you, that love. I mean, my love of musical theater has not stopped. If I get a good hour and a half to myself, if I have to go somewhere, like, drive somewhere for four hours, I want to be listening to musicals in the car singing. That's amazing. Because I, I love, love I love the story of it. I love pretending like I'm all the people. Mm-hmm. And I would I would be a kid and I'd pretend like I was every single character. I would sing like 
this line and this line, you know, I'd do, do a, duets with myself. Um, and I'd put on a show for nobody. And I loved it. I loved it. It was really like my outlet as a child. What did it like keep you company? Did it make uh, help you spend the time until you know yeah. someone came? I mean, like it was my show. video game to yeah. a certain degree, right? Or whatever kids play. <laughs> the things, <laughs> right? That kids the things do. that kids play. I mean, kids have wonderful imaginative play. Yeah. I just also did mine to a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What uh, makes you try something new? Is there anything you've started on recently? And I say that because I recently um, tried yeah. embroidery. And yeah, yeah. Just kind of out of the blue, I was like, oh, that looks like a fun thing that I yeah. need to try. And it actually made me realize that I had a lot of muscle memory for it. Mm. So I did it as a child with my grandmother, cool. who was also crafty, like you were saying, that your other grandmother, mm-hmm. who just kind of like their handmade things, all mm-hmm. covers to Kleenex boxes, mug rugs. Got to get that creativity out, man, yeah, one way or another. Any thing that you could make you wouldn't go buy it you would make it yeah what a beautiful time (laughs) i wish we did more of that yeah um i think what makes me start a new project Mm -hmm. is uh, it's weird because it's a little bit it's emotional usually for me so for example i've really wanted to play lately with um inks like uh alcohol inks i haven't yet but I have felt the need to because I feel like things in my life are runny right now and a little bit loose. And I love watercolor anyway. I love things that are kind of out of control that I'm kind of dancing with the medium. Mm-hmm. Um, so lately I've been like, I want to try to drop water on a page and see mm-hmm. what happens. Right? Or I'm having, this, I'm having this issue in my marriage that I'm trying to think about, what, how do I talk to my husband about this thing, right? And it's something kind of sharp, so I want to mm-hmm. cut. I want to do a collage, right? So, it, it's a it's very sensual. Why I want to try different things, visual in visual art at least. Yeah, and are those things you have done before? Like, is there something that's on your radar that like you are not sure how to tackle and try? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that I I feel I have a lot of. <laughs> we're talking about creative wounding. I'll own some of mine. I don't feel very technical. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not very interested in putting together circuitry or making a coherent dress because, to me, the technical part of make putting art together is not why I'm there. I'm there to express. And so when I come up against something where I don't actually know how to do it, yeah, like, I can draw, but I can't draw fantastically, right? So if I wanted to really draw, like, an M.C. Escher drawing, right, I'm not going to do that. Not because I couldn't learn, but because I don't want to learn how to do it. I want to just do the thing. We talked about this a little bit when you came in to talk about the baby blanket right. process. Right. How you were kind of getting hung up on, I don't know if it was threading, the sewing machine. Threading mm-hmm. the sewing machine. <laughs> I was like, I know what I want to do. I know how I want to make this quilt. I know these pieces I want to put together. But I don't want to thread this goddamn sewing yeah, machine. Yeah. I want to just have it come together the way I want it to come together. I don't want to have to learn how to make this machine work or how to make this happen. Do you take classes ever? Um, I, I, 
in reaction to that and how I learned how it mm-hmm. was a, a sewing class that mm-hmm. I feel like I had that urge to sew for a long time, but I wasn't quite sure how to use my dang machine. Right. And our friend Diana Stahl showed me how to use the machine to like hem a pair of pants. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay, thanks. That's how you do it. And I've had the same machine since high school. Mm-hmm. And there were you know a couple times I was like I want to make a bag but I'm not sure how to do it and so I took I needed someone to like sit down and show me right and so I I think I gravitate towards someone who's like gonna explain the part so I can keep going yeah so anytime I hit a roadblock I hunt someone down which is really cool do you do that do you know ma'am you try and figure it out I will admit I've taken sewing classes oh like since I was a kid really yeah I I don't so it's just the I have to relearn it every time. Oh, gotcha. Or look at YouTube and find videos of how to do that thing. Like sometimes I'll like for example when I was quilting, I quilt by hand, and then I'd be like, how do I finish this seam? And I'd look it up on YouTube really quick. But I'm that's the amount of time I want to take. Just a quick I, answer. Patience in art is not something I have. Mm. <laughs> like it's if I'm painting a painting and I know I need to let the purple dry before I put the yellow on top of it, that's hard for me. Mm-hmm. That's hard because I want that yellow on there now. <laughs> like I know I want to keep going. I don't want to get out of the process and then come back in because I feel like I'll lose my place. How are you with editing then? Do you have the patience to no. step away and then come back and look at it again? Only if it's been like years. You want to, like, keep looking at it, keep working at it. Yeah. and Carving away. I guess that's, in poetry, it's a little easier to go back and edit because it's so short and it's words. Words feel easier to edit than anything else. Yeah. Um, but because it, they but, are those things right there and you can say it and that yeah. is the finished layer. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not, I'm not as much an editor. I think that's why Amber and I work so well creatively yeah. together. Because I vomit, and she ties it into a beautiful bow. (laughs) (laughs) You do, you know, that's an interesting topic, too. You do have people in your life who you just work creatively with. Just one way or another. It's just like, oh, we get each other. Yeah. Matt and I design together. Yeah. Sometimes over each other's shoulders. And when I describe this to people, they are baffled. My husband, Aaron, is also very creative, and maybe you'll interview him. He's on my list, by the way. I haven't talked to him about it yet. but He's a writer and an improviser, and he's super creative, or I wouldn't love him as much as I do. Are you attracted to creative people? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I mean, they get me, and I get them. And it's a way I connect with people. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's very important. Anything that you can think of? activities that you can see as being creative but you just have no interest in trying sure i'm certain music i feel like i'm bad yeah. at music i don't i don't get it. i can't count i can't keep up with counts so music is sort of the sewing machine problem a little bit mm-hmm. again where like i don't know how to thread the machine often like i'm not gonna sit down and learn how to play the clarinet mm-hmm. it's not i'm sorry it's not gonna happen now if you give me a clarinet will i fiddle and do weird things Yep. <laughs> yeah, real you know, about it. but even like the piano, I can play one or two chords in grad school. They taught us in music therapy, how to play just like holding chords, like mm-hmm. so that the client can tinker and it sounds good, whatever they do. Right. So, you know, I have some 
I love music. I love singing, but can I sight read? No. Have I tried? A little, yeah, and it doesn't go well. Um, right? I can't read music, even though I really want to, because there's... <sighs> but you have the ear, which I don't quite have. Like, you can remember a tune. How do you know that? Because you were the lead in Bye Bye Birdie. Well, yeah. And I was in a chorus. Is that, that says everything? That says a lot. I don't know. <laughs> I was more... Um, I was talking to Amber about this the other day. Uh, Pratt Falls were more my thing because acting. Oh, you're so good was... at Pratt Falls. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. Oh, can we do one right now? <laughs> it would be very loud. <laughs> I feel like I can express myself. Oh my gosh, it's so corporal free. expression. Everybody's <laughs> giggling. <laughs> it is though. I mean, and you're fearless when you dance. Yes. Which I I think that's what I resonated with when I first heard your poetry. There's a fearlessness about the way that you move through words and through music. For some reason, I am I have zero um, self-consciousness when I'm on a dance floor. Which you don't know. Do you know how rare that is? Yes, because I'm the only one on the dance floor. And I want someone <laughs> else to go out there. You, you dance like, and I'm, I mean this in the best way, you dance like a kid. Yeah, Because sure. you see kids at concerts or something dancing, and it's just wild. Yeah. And it's just, like, loose and all over the place and so uninhibited and just free-flowing. And, gosh, it looks fun. And <laughs> it is when you can do it. So yeah. I love going dancing with you because I always feel invited yes. to be weird. Yes. And to, like, just, oh, we're just dancing. And, music, like, trying whatever. to make each other laugh. And what's and funny is when I dance like that, when I am able to dance like that, People compliment me. Oh. People come up and are like, how long have you been a dancer? What? And I'm like, what? I have never gotten that question, ah! by the way. <laughs> no, I think of all the mediums, I am a dancer in my heart. Mm, like, I am mm -hmm. a dancer f or poet, first and foremost, right? And then everything else kind of follows from there. But dancing is, oh, It's God, one of my so favorite good. things. Yeah, and Very even favorite. as I get older and my relationship with my body changes, I don't dance enough. Because I think that, oh, you know what I should do? Remember how I was talking about the mother archetype thing? Mm -hmm. I should friggin' dance that. Oh, you should. I should dance that. I should make a mother playlist of like yeah. songs about being a mother and dance that. Thanks. I feel really good about helping you See, with that. See, we've solved a creative problem yes. here. <laughs> I hope we're solving lots of creative problems. And I hope that people get something out of this where they know that they don't have to be good. They don't have to be perfect. I am right. not a trained dancer. I'm, I would not say that when I see pictures of me dancing that I look like I have any kind of training whatsoever. But I don't care. Like, what mm -hmm. I get out of it is this feeling, this surgence of energy that makes me want to tackle lots of things in life that I just feel like I don't have the energy for. That's yeah. what I get out of projects. I have to have a project. Or else, I just feel like I'm just dragging through life. Oh, yeah. It puts meaning on everything, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Deepens everything. I tap into that, like, hyperactive child that I was, where I was, like, ready to try anything, and, like, yeah, let's hang mm -hmm. out, and, like, let's go jump on a trampoline, and sure, let's, like, paint some pictures and draw <laughs> something. And I have that nonstop well of energy mm -hmm. when it comes to making things. And so I appreciate that we have shared that together For all these 20 tw years. 20 years. And I love that one of the pictures that you or Amber found on our text chain, was it you? No, it was Amber, where it was for Amber's birthday 
and we were in her dorm room and making valentines and I feel like that's such a wonderful symbol for a friendship because mm-hmm. man we just we'll sit down you've got stuff out man I'm in there I'm about to make something yeah and I appreciate you having shrinky dinks out or oh, craft shrinky paper dinks. shrinky dinks you got me into those yeah yeah so I I feel like uh, our connection as friends went back just immediately upon mm-hmm. seeing you with your like crazy socks and long skirts <laughs> because I wore the same thing and yeah we were like kindred spirits from way back mm-hmm. so my dear yeah. dear friend Genevieve if you were to give yourself a title for your mm-hmm. crafting identity what would your title be I think the title comes from the goal and the goal is to invite people to their own brilliance so and to the moment and to their journey so i would call myself a creative conjurer tapping into the other side i appreciate that well thank you so much for being our first interview conversation thanks for doing this it's gonna be really cool yeah chatty crafty hear all this stuff i am so excited to celebrate all of my crafty and creative friends and get to the bottom of why they make art. Thank you everyone for listening, and I hope you'll stay tuned for more episodes of Chatty Crafties. Genevieve offers private counseling as a licensed marriage and family therapy associate, officiates weddings, memorials, blessings, workshops, and will create a custom ceremony for whatever life transition you find yourself in. She writes a lovely little blog and lists all her services over at PassageWayArts.com. Introspective intro music crafted by Berm and Swale. Check him out on Facebook. Then spend some time with us at ChattyCrafties.com. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, SoundCloud, subscribe on iTunes, or just follow your own best advice. This episode was produced by me, Amber Moreno and hosted by my very crafty comrade, Angelica Norton, right here at Open Envelope Studio. Thanks for listening. Now go make some art.